The Self-Helpful Podcast is brought to you by Ziegler, your premier source for equipping coaches to help leaders and top performers excel professionally and personally. Visit Ziegler.com and let them inspire your true coaching performance. Welcome to the Self-Helpful Podcast. I'm Kevin Miller, and this is the podcast people tune into for in-depth discussions on the latest research from our foremost leaders in self-improvement, so you can be growing and more equipped to live at your fullest capacity in body, mind, and soul. You have some gifting, some inherent skills and talents, or think of it this way. You have some things that come to you easier than they do to others. I, mean, I can look at each of my kids and tell you what abilities seem to come more naturally for some than others, right out of the womb almost. That doesn't make them an expert, but it showcases the areas they're more likely to be able to achieve mastery in. The thing is, what comes fairly easy to us, we often devalue. We just kind of take it for granted. It doesn't seem that impressive to us. And that makes sense. One, because it's just easier. And two, we often end up around other people who can do what we do well, so it doesn't seem impressive. I mean, when I was a pro cyclist, it wasn't so impressive to me because I was always around other pro cyclists. I was mainly focused on all the guys who were better than I was. But you and I, we all have some natural giftings and talents. Once you become aware of them, you must start honing them, and then you'll serve yourself well to figure out how to work at them. Not at all of them. I mean, I think I've got giftings in different areas. Some I don't want to monetize. They're just for my enjoyment, even just for my family. But finding a gift you can monetize is amazing. In this episode, I'm back with Japan's number one self-help guru, Ken Honda. He's author of Happy Money, which was the focus of our first show together. Well, this is my values, motives, and habits show, part two. Uh, it's the episode where we go behind the curtain of Ken's life. And we talked about the category of career, and this was Ken's primary focus, helping people find their gifts and monetize their gifts. It's a passion of his, and he finds it to be a primary source of ultimately happy money. When you work at something you enjoy and find great value in, you are happier with the money you get as a result and even happier to spend it and manage it, save it, invest it. This focus stood out to me, but you're also going to hear Ken discuss topics such as he sees money as spiritual. Um, His focus on relationships is what can he do for another person, which sounds kind of pithy, but it belies the fact that we generally are in front of another person thinking about our own needs. In health and wellness, it's a challenge for Ken, he says, as he Loves American food, hamburgers and fries. And in his culture, he's teased for being the chubby guy. So he feels at home over here. Mentally, he struggles with the world's suffering, which he has a sensitive heart for. He works to bolster himself so he can better handle it. As a celebrity in Japan, he's often noticed out in public and he takes great delight in striking up conversations with fans and getting to know them. I've already gotten feedback on our first discussion together with people just attesting to the joy in hearing Ken Honda's happy demeanor and his desire to serve others. You can find Ken Honda's book, Happy Money, anywhere and connect directly with him at KenHonda.com. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this self-helpful podcast. It'd be great if you would leave a review. Best thing is keep the discussion going. Talk about what you hear with Ken in this episode with someone else. You can always connect with me at my website or social media at kevinmiller.co. Next up, we walk and talk through Ken Honda's values, motives, and habits. I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. 
And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ken, we ended our first show together and you talking about people who had businesses that, you know, often folks don't want to go see them, dentist, the mechanic, whatnot, but you brought in their own connection with God to reconcile the good that they're doing. So it was a great segue into this because our first place that I start is spiritual, just the aspect of your own spirituality. And so I'll ask you there, what are the things you value there? And then the habits that you put into practice to walk those out. So, um, I think, um, at the end of your life, uh, what you think of is that what you have done in the past so it's more of your personal relationship with yourself hmm. so if nobody uh respects you uh but if you're proud of what you've done you're a happy person and if everybody worships you but if you feel lousy inside uh you feel um you feel like a, a failure even though you achieved uh, mega financial success and uh, uh you won a fame but still, if you feel lousy about yourself, um, you are just a miserable person. So your personal relationship with yourself is super important. And I think that's one uh, a, a concept of God or Buddha or whoever, which is higher than us, uh, comes in. And I think uh, uh, I have an influence from my mentors, uh, who are one of them is a Christian uh, priest. The other one is uh, a philanthropist uh, whose name is Wahe Takeda, who always talk about uh, the heaven or the universe. Uh, he, he didn't really refer to a type of God, uh, a special type of God, but he's, uh, he used to say, even, uh, even nobody knows, you and the heaven knows. That's what he used to say. So if you uh, know that you're doing the right thing, you can be proud of yourself. So you have to uh, put that criteria uh, in in, uh, in the basis of your life. Otherwise, you get um, uh, in- influenced by other what other people think. 
and oftentimes uh, it varies. You know, uh, when the time changes, um, they might say good things about you, bad things about you, but you have to be really sure um, who you are. Otherwise, you lose yourself along the way. I'm interested on the topic of money, which was our first show together. How have you found people's views, happy, sad money, the energy around money affected foundationally due to their spirituality or not? Does that come into play? Yes. Yes. So uh, if you, uh, you just think of money as a very materialistic ways, uh, you lose a point because there is a spiritual aspect of money. And actually, I'm writing a book on spiritual money oh. because money could be very spiritual. Uh, but often, pe- oftentimes, people think it's just the numbers and it's just, you know, um, uh, the assets uh, and also the real estate. But I've seen so many uh, dramas in the past uh, four decades of my life and uh, since I was 10. So I'm in my 50s. So I I witness ups and downs of people's lives. And I, I can see there is a spiritual energy uh, behind what's all that. And unless you understand what's going on behind the scenes, uh, you lose a point. In that aspect, <clears throat> and I'm actually surprised I didn't think about this in the first show. I mean, because you're talking, we talked about, you know, the essence of money. Like, let's go back hundreds of years. We didn't have money. We just traded goods. It was a value. As you talk about it, it was an exchange. And if we look at that, we're talking about the things I need on a day-to-day basis for survival. This is how, whether it's shelter, whether it's food, water, I mean, uh, literally our, our, the essence of survival is what we're talking about. Yeah. And within that, my gosh, we go back. If you're a farmer, there's only so much you can do at some point. Only God can make it rain. You know, only, I mean, you can't make it rain at least whatever your view on God, you can't make it rain. So you're just dependent on circumstance or God or whatever, but there's an aspect of faith into our very, again, survival, our sustenance, which is the essence of money as an exchange for that. So yeah, it seems that I hadn't thought about it in this way, that my money is an aspect of my faith in something beyond myself because there's so much of it I can't control, like rain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when, when we look at our life closely, we are we have been supported by thousands and hundreds of thousands of people you know just a simple thing um i have a beautiful flower in in the vase and then this was grown by a a a farmer and there's this um glass i think it it came from france and somebody made it and i have all the things that are handmade in this place and every one of the products here are in the uh uh in are in the process of making uh thousands of people were involved well look at the electricity the wallpaper and the carpet i think the carpet come uh, comes from uh china or iran or you know those countries and this probably comes from us and this comes from you know uh surprisingly so many things are um so many people are involved to make my simple life possible yeah so when you just start feeling everybody's hard work 
to make it all possible, even like this, you know, uh, uh, I'm on the other side of the planet, where, but still we can talk. Mm -hmm. It's because of the technology that Apple or Microsoft or uh, yeah. internet uh, cable company did so, so much work and somebody installed a cable. Can you believe that? Thousands of miles between US and Japan. I think that they, they, they keep installing new cables. I've seen a, a documentary and it's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. So think of all the people. Uh, I'm just with a little bit of a fraction of money, even though we, we complain our electricity bill is so big, but think of a big boat, you know, installing the cable. Mm -hmm. I, did mm -hmm. you pay part of it? You know, so, uh, everything uh, becomes so cheap because we are all in this together. So if we hire a big boat and install a cable privately, it's mm -hmm. going to cost billions of dollars, right? So uh, since we're in this together, so in a sense, we are like avatars, you know, we are connected. We are connected um, at materialistic level, but unfortunately, we're not connected spiritually yet. So I think that's what I'm going to see um, happening in a few years after the big economic turmoil, because uh, that way we realize that we have been connected yeah. financially too. I'm eager for that next book. You know, it's interesting you're talking about the internet and the technology and the things that we can be grateful for. I now have, we were talking about where I live. So I'm up here in the high mountains of uh, Colorado. My house is at 9,200 feet above sea level in the mountains and oh. in a national forest. And our internet's always been a problem until this year. And I got Starlink from Elon Musk's company. Yeah. And I pay, I think I pay $110 a month. I think if you know, people live in a city for internet, I'm sure you don't pay that much. That is happy money for me to spend. Uh, cause right. we get good internet way out there in the boonies. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful. I'm just curious, you know, how, how is the styling? Is that stable? And how fast is that? It's been great. It's, I mean, again, we're up in the national forest, so we, we don't get cell service. We don't get internet. We have no cable. There's nothing that comes up there. We're in, we're literally in the middle of a national forest and, uh, most star or, uh, uh yeah, satellite dishes have, you know, latency. It, it's, it's messy. You can't do stuff like this voice over internet. And there's limits to it and whatnot. This we're often getting a hundred megabytes down. Uh, on, uh, start. Yeah, I should, I should bill them for this ad. Uh, but we, we get, get great down and a lot of times 10 to 15 up speed, which is, is fine. And it's been, we've had one time in, man, how many months has it been? Four months, five months. I guess we've had one time when there was kind of like, Hey, the internet's not working for a minute and last like 15 minutes. I don't know what happened. We rebooted and we were good. So, there's my free advertisement for Starlink. Great. Otherwise, you 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 have to drive down like an hour or you know a oh, couple yeah. of hours. Well, this we're gonna go way off tangent. You're going to know what I did. I had a friend up on the ridge who had line of sight to a tower in town. I ran fifteen hundred feet of coaxial cable up through the national forest and had repeaters on both ends. And that's how we got our internet. And so it worked good until an animal ate th animals would eat the wire or lightning would hit and blow the whole thing out. So that was my, <laughs> well, you know about, right. Yeah. You have to 
personal cable. <laughs> yeah, I've done, I've done that for my family out in the woods. Uh, and now I am very grateful and I spend happy money on technology that I have no idea how it works. And, uh, thank goodness. So that's uh, right. So yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Now we are connected, mm-hmm. you know, but unfortunately we're not connected with our hearts yet. Mm. We're connected. Internet is connected to Iran or, you know, uh, Australia and uh, all the countries. But uh, our cultures and languages divide us. Yeah. So uh, hopefully we're going to be connected spiritually. So um, if something uh, like I'm I'm, uh, heartbroken and and what's going on in a Turkish earthquake, you know. uh, So if we are connected heart level, we could feel whatever is going on in the other parts of the world at the same level that our neighbors are hurting. So um, I hope we can like heal uh, um, together like that globally. That's what I'm envisioning now. Well, Ken, that's my next category here is relationships. Asking Mm -hmm. you your values, your motives and habits in relationships. And you started off the spiritual question on the relation on and it sounded like first your concern is your relationship with yourself to begin with Mm -hmm. yes yes yeah well tell me then about your yeah the values you just talked about connecting connecting at a heart level so what are the values that ken honda has in your relationships what's valuable most valuable to you i think it's like uh connected to my own satellite you know so uh whatever um excites me or whatever guides me, I'm there. So I, I work, I uh, I do things out of intuition. So um, last year I had this calling to go to um, Finland and then I went, you know, westbound to go around the world and did uh, nine talks um, together. And so uh, whatever I do uh, doesn't come from uh, financial motives. You know, sometimes uh, it, it may not make sense and my staff uh, are just su- surprised and say, are we going to do this? <laughs> you know, but yes, because I feel like it. <laughs> and then uh, years later, it, it, it just it come out that um, it turns out that that was the best decision. Mm-hmm. So um, I try to do things uh, that may not make sense as of now. So um, I'm, I feel always guided and I just try to do uh, what's right uh, for that uh, matter. And also in terms of relationship, I always think of a long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the publishers I've had, I have a 20-year relationship, 18-year relationship. Uh, my staff have been working, uh, um, uh, some of them have been working for 10 years. And uh, uh, my students have uh, kept coming to my workshop uh since the beginning of my work which is almost like 20 uh years so uh and i hope um for the future the relationships i have uh now will last uh until i die then what i I hear is loyalty i mean so what are the things that you're doing to keep those relationships strong so that they are long-term so I try to uh, think what I can do for the other one, like for the publisher uh, or uh, my friends or my family members and what I can do for them. And, and sometimes, you know, I cannot stay with them 
uh, forever. My daughter, uh, Ms. Uh, just started out uh, her singing career. You know, uh, she um, she started singing professionally last year. So I know she doesn't spend uh, with me anymore, right? I retired for her for four years, but she doesn't remember any of that, unfortunately. <laughs> and then she is on her own, right? So uh, we just kind of grow apart. So um, something like that happens with a friendship. But, you know, even though you're a uh, best friend with somebody, you don't have to just uh, eat dinner every day, right? right. So um, it's just your heart connection. So um, I always think of them in my heart, and they have a special place in my heart. So as long as you have a deep connection, even if you don't see them for a couple of years, like uh, especially this COVID thing, we, you know, uh, the other day I, I met a friend uh, from uh, America in the United States after three years. And I didn't feel that it's been three years because it was like yesterday. So if you had a deep connection with somebody, certain years um, don't affect at all. Most of today, you will be indoors, likely your home or your office. I am as well. Even with my treks out into the woods, I spend a lot of time inside. And we're going to think about 20,000 breaths. According to the EPA, the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air, sometimes up to a hundred times more polluted. At my studio, we have heat being forced through old ducts. I walk on carpet full of years of junk. No idea what's floating in the air that I'm taking constant gulps of. The solution is an air purifier and Air Doctor is just the best. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold, bacteria, viruses. They do it so your lungs don't have to. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code KEVIN, and depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks off. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So to get this special offer, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com Use promo code Kevin, airdoctorpro.com, promo code Kevin. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top-tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. So in some aspect, you're putting quality of relationship over quantity of time together. Yes, but also uh, quality is fun too. 
you know, um, I spend, I try to spend uh, quality time with my friends. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you know, uh, I talk to thousands of people all the time, and I'm, 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 people call me I'm a happy panda because wherever I go, people come. <laughs> so I'm always surrounded by people yeah. uh, with a, a, you know, a few hundred people uh, at, a, at a party. So I need some alone time too. So I cannot really all the time be with my friends, yeah. but uh, I enjoy both. And as long as uh, uh, I have a deep connection with them, I think it, it's, it's going to turn out to be a longer relationship. Health and wellness is the next category here, Ken. And so when you look at your personal health and wellness, what are the top values there? So, uh, you know, since I haven't done much exercises, my uh, wife and my daughter just keep pushing me that I should do, do more. So I, I'm just taking a walk more, longer, and, uh, and, and I think I should lose some weight. And uh, um, I'm uh, often teased as a chubby guy. But uh, the other day I was in California and just I was in a restaurant and usually I'm the fattest boy in a Japanese restaurant. And I was in America, like, look at me. Like, I'm one of them. You know, I don't look super heavy in this place. So maybe I should move to U.S. <laughs> That's great. Uh, so from an exercise standpoint, so not your favorite thing, but you're walking. That's your one. That's your outlet there. Okay. What about nutrition? Yeah. Is there something, what do you have to watch out for nutritionally then? Yeah, so I like American, you know, food like hamburgers and potato fries, and, and I think I should stay a little bit away. You know, uh, my love for America should be limited for a culture, not food, <laughs> because so much stuff in America uh, makes me fat. So, like, and so I try to stay away from sodas and you know, uh, burgers. So. Yeah. That kind of place is so. As long as I stay more Japanese food, I think I'm a little healthier. But uh, I love the burgers too much. Yeah, we need to switch places because my top of the list just about is sushi. So uh, that would that would that would serve us well. Uh huh. Yeah, but, so I, I ate a lot of tacos. You know, we don't have many tacos in Tokyo. <laughs> yeah. So like the Taco Bell open up, and there's a huge line for Taco Bell. Really? So. Anybody who just uh, knows how to cook Mexican, I think Tokyo is the next place to go. Oh, there you go. All right. There's the next business opportunity. Right. So in Tokyo, I miss American food a lot. So, yeah. How about the uh, next category is mind, just your mental health uh, and your mental state. And so when you know we've got a time period uh, here, I don't know how it is, again, globally necessarily, but in North America where we have a mental health you know, crisis in essence. But so for your own, for Ken Honda, when you think about your own mind and mental health and mental state, where is it you want to be? What do you do for that? So personally, I think I'm uh, uh, in a very happy place. But when I think of the world and uh, what we're going to experience as a whole, as a, uh, as a human being, I, I feel uh, somewhat depressing feelings because um, so many people are going to feel hurt and stress uh, around financial issues because, you know, we're going to uh, experience a lot of uh, traumatic ex uh, things uh, of um, losing money and all that. So globally or subconsciously, I already feel the big uh, heartbreaks in my heart. Hmm. But I can melt it in my uh, in, in my own heart. 
So uh, personal happiness and also uh, global subconscious unhappiness gets melted in my heart. So I try to balance it out. So even though I hear news, you know, sad news overseas, uh, or just uh, the sad news in, a, in my neighborhood, I try to integrate it and then melt it in, into my heart. So I try to balance out at the end of the, uh, the day, uh, I balance uh, out, b- balance it out into my happiness. And it's it's been challenging because, you know, you see our world news, so many people are suffering, but at the same time, I can find my peace. Uh, while I'm watching uh, all the sufferings. You do talk, I mean, you talk, you shared about this in part one uh, together that you do a lot of travel. You've, you've been doing a lot of travel. You've, you're well acquainted with the world globally in that. And it sounds like you found great peace and happiness individually, but you do have a continual heartbreak, as you said, for what you see happening around the world with money and other things, but that that is, so you find yourself bolstering yourself. You've got to be in a good place so you can handle the challenges you see in the world. Yeah. So as long as I'm, I'm staying in my cabin in, uh, in my, you know, in my, one of my homes in, in the mountains, I'm a happy, uh, I, I learned a new English expression. I'm a happy camper, happy camper. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, two, a few weeks ago, I was in in a car uh, driving to a nice uh, hotel uh, in Mexico, and then I saw a very old woman uh, trying to sell flowers. Um, and and it's such a lot of uh, gas and not a good air, uh, a oh. lot of pollution in the in the air. And then she looks like she's in her seventies uh, or maybe older. And she was trying to sell flowers, but she was going like two car, car lanes um, away, so I couldn't get anything from her. But I felt uh, a pain in my heart, like in your 70s, you know, um, she has to be in that environment. So whenever I see something like that, I feel pain, painful. So uh, as much as I want to uh, turn my face away, I try to absorb it in. Uh, so I, I hope my happy money ideas are going to transform uh, the planetary shift. Yeah. You know, I, I hope it's going to help that. So um, she doesn't have to do that anymore. Well, the next category is work, career, uh, business. We talked about this before. And it. I'm going to ask you your value there, but I feel like you stated it when we talked before. And it is that people are doing work they find purpose and because a product of that is happy money yes is that top of the list value wise yes and also i told people uh in terms of my teaching time i'm teaching people how to monetize their gifts more so happy money is a symbol but i think out of 200 books i published i think uh one third of them is around finding your gifts and monetize your gifts because uh expressing who you are uh, has the best chance of uh, inviting happy money into your life. So um, I, I'm just showing an example. Uh, 20 years ago, I just thought of starting a new experiment. What if I studied uh, something I really love, and by doing that, can I uh, achieve financial independence that way? So if I could show people how to do it, people will start doing uh, more of what they want to do. 
So I started uh, thinking, uh, like, uh, I love books. So I thought of starting a bookstore, but I could use my consulting skills and, you know, financial background. So, no, I have to um, uh, erase it out of my list. And then uh, when it comes to books, uh, maybe becoming an author. I've never done that. Uh, I never had any uh, education in writing or just literature or anything. You know, I'm, I'm just a, a amateur person who loves books. Okay, this is great. I love books. That's how I became an author. That that sounds like a fun fun thing to do. And as I said, you know, I got this funny inspiration and just started writing. And then I became and I ended up becoming an author a year later. So by following what you love, you can achieve financial independence. Uh, so I'm uh, using my example. Uh, I've never done it before, but I started following my heart, and one by one. Uh, new door opens, and then um, a new person, new mentor showed up, and he and she taught me how to write, how to edit, how to publish, and how to sell books. And um, a couple of years later, I sold a million copies, and a few years later, I sold uh, two million copies. And and 18 years later, I started publishing in English. So I'm in the process of pursuing my dream true. So my work um, life has been uh, uh, more than incredible because I feel uh, so guided and so supported by millions of people. Uh, the, the reason why I'm successful is that people love me and support me uh, whenever my new book comes in uh, comes out. People are waiting um, to buy uh, because I, I hear from a one uh, bookstore owner, saying a few days before my publication, uh, they start getting calls from, you know, uh, their customers. When is uh, Ken Honda's book coming to the store? So I really appreciate that because they're waiting for my new book. And I, I sometimes don't release the, the title, title of my books, but they're so still like waiting uh, for the book, new book. So I'm, I'm forever grateful. That's incredible. And when you talk about selling millions of books, I think the number that I saw is that you've sold 7 million or upwards of 7 no, it's, million. Uh, uh, it's almost uh, uh, 9 million copies. Almost 9 no. million copies. <laughs> because I, I've been uh, selling about a few hundred thousand copies a year. So I think it's between uh, 8 and 9 million copies. Which for people to know, when a book comes out, an average book, I mean, if a publisher, if they sell... 30, 40,000, they're pretty, uh -huh. they're pretty pleased. So when you're talking right. millions, it puts it into a frame of reference. I did want to pull out though, Ken, that you said, you know, you're looking for work that you, in an area that you had uh, a passion for that you love. Whatnot. And you said books, I love books that you looked at different, let's call it vehicles to do that. So I look books, I could do a bookstore, you know, mm -hmm. I could, do, how many, I don't know how many different vocations there are in the world of books hundreds i assume you looked at bookstore there's so many others and you found one that fit you so as people are thinking about this and thinking about what are the things that i care about the categories the areas of interest that i have that's one thing then it's finding within those i think we often get very narrow in the opportunities that we think may exist within that interest and so you went to one, that's not it. You know, you, maybe you got there quicker than most, but what if somebody goes through five different trial and errors of 
ways to participate in that area of their love before they find the one that actually fits their skills, their abilities and whatnot, which I guess is a great thing too, that as you find that to, to, for us to focus on, as you find that area of interest, be aware of what are your skills? What are your abilities? What are the types of tasks and roles that give you energy coming back to energy as a topic that you enjoy? Uh, are important to find then the fit for the vehicle within that interest that's going to fit. Yes. Um, so uh, I've done a lot of studies on self-made mediators, and uh, and the the research I found is that uh, before they hit the right occupation, they usually experience six, six or seven jobs yeah. before hitting the jackpot. You know, they may uh, they may uh, they may end up being uh, insurance business. They may end up being uh, in a restaurant business. But before uh, landing on their field, they have changed many different jobs. So uh, it's like relationships. You know, not many people uh, meet a sweet sweetheart from junior high school and then yeah. they end up getting married forever. Yeah. You know, we usually meet up three or four, sometimes seven. Uh, people before the right one and then stay uh, for a long, longer time. So uh, you may uh, need to just change jobs uh, when you feel like it's not the right fit for you. And then uh, I, uh, the criteria is that uh, you don't feel like working anymore. For me, uh, speaking to thousands of people is not uh, work anymore. It's it's fun and it's it, it's so exciting because I I can I get to talk to so many different people from so many different countries, and uh, my books are out in twenty seven languages now, and in, in a place that I've never been. You know, so yeah. my goal dream is to visit each country that my uh, uh, book is published. That's fun. so. Uh, this is not work anymore. You know, yeah. I, I can do it uh, without getting paid. I mean, oftentimes, like these interviews, I don't get paid, but I'm doing it because I love it. Yeah. I love this conversation with Kevin because you're such an incredible, incredibly intelligent and a generous person. So, but unless I wrote books and I, unless I became a speaker, I never got this chance. Yeah. So I so appreciate my work to bring me to the right place. And today is here. I thank you, Ken. I'm grateful and honored. I do want to ask you, you know, with the book, I mean, you talk about that, that you decided to go after authoring and that mm -hmm. within a, a year or so you were, but I'm assuming that you didn't just sit down with a typewriter or a computer or pen and pencil, whatever it was, write out a book and boom, that was the end. It sold great. And you've never had a bit of teaching or coaching along the way to hone your craft. How did it happen? Yeah, so uh, before that, I st uh, started writing uh, short essays. You know, a friend of mine said, Ken, you have all the time in the world. Why don't you, sh you know, just write something so we can benefit? And so I, I wrote uh, two, three pages of essays on, on money and happiness. And my all my friends loved it, so they wanted more. So I, you know, I had all the time in the world. So I wrote... 26 um, page of uh, more, more like a personal um, letter to my friends uh, who are struggling with money and, and business. So uh, I could uh, experience, uh, could share my experiences of why I could retire young and you know how to manage money and how to live with money and, and all that. And 
I started distributing among my friends, and they all loved it. So the funny thing is, those those times uh, we had a machine called Fax, yeah. and at the end of my essay, uh, you can order more copies for free uh, to this Fax number. So whenever I uh, w- I woke up in the morning, there is this, this stack of Fax Fax sheets. Uh, I re- requesting more uh, my free booklets. So I was happy doing just, you know, sampling to um, five and 10 copies and just send them out uh, while I was taking a walk to my post office, which was my, uh, which became my morning routine. And then I started uh, stapling and, and uh, I got sore hands after <laughs> like tw- doing 20. Yeah. <laughs> and I was complaining that to my friends and he said, why don't you hire a printer? Which I did. So there's also, once again, there's a thing called a phone book, and there is a P section printer. Yeah. And uh, I found a, a printer nearby my house. There was, uh, there was internet, but not, not much, you know, common. Yeah. So the, the guy came with a quote and, uh, I said, can I print 200? And he said, no, 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 we do only thousand, like uh, 1000. No, no, I don't need them. But he said, that's a minimum. So, okay. I said, all right. And I was, just about to sign the contract, uh, he said, by the way, sir, uh, can you take a look at this sheet? And then uh, there's a quota for 3,000 copies. And actually, that mu- not much difference, only a few hundred dollars. Wow, really? Uh, and he said that the most of the cost is on type setting, right? right? right. So on uh, editing. Yeah. So actually, uh, the cost, uh, extra cost is just a little tiny thing. So I recommend, uh, you go with, uh, 3000. And I said, well, it, it was like $5, uh, if it's a thousand copies. And if it's like a, a dollar and a half, if you print 3000, I said, that's a good, good bargain. And so I just signed the contract. <laughs> he didn't tell me intentionally how many boxes it'll be. So it just came in with a two uh, small trucks and then uh, drove in front of my place. And then I thought mo- neighbors are moving in and, and it's, it's actually my book booklets, you know, in boxes. Oh. <laughs> and I had to empty uh, one room out and then I put all the boxes in. And uh, and uh, I tried to come up with a good excuse for my wife. Yeah, yeah. But I couldn't because that's my booklets, right? I don't know when I came back, there are old boxes here. It doesn't work. So I just said, <laughs> I'm so sorry, you know, I, I, I didn't ask them how many boxes it'll be. 3,000, he said, it's cheap. So I signed a contract. And so I promise you I'll get, get rid of all these boxes in three months. And she said, one month, either boxes out or you out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So I, tr- I started calling my friends and just, um, you know, gave 100 here, 200 here. 500 there, and then I got rid of uh, my 3,000 in about uh, two weeks. And then I got huge uh, back orders. So I printed another 3,000, wow. and this time I rented a, a storage unit, and then I hired two people to just start shipping for free. And by the time I, I, I published about 100,000 copies, uh, so like 20 or 30 times, you know, I did that again. Yeah. A publisher called me. And they're interested in um, publishing my books. Of and the rest is a history. That's an amazing story. And, and it'd be interesting, too. I remember long ago, Seth Godin uh, gave away 
a lot of books. He, he said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write this book. I'm going to give it away. His publisher didn't like that. And I, my, my memory is a story is he ended up with like 200,000 books. I think it was just electronically that he gave away. <laughs> then they published the books and it sold, sold like hotcakes. And what he found out is a lot of the people or a majority of the people who got the free book bought the real book. And uh, that was his premise of take what you get, give it away, try to find traction, get feedback, and it'll benefit you. Yeah, I think uh, my story is like probably like a few years ago because there is no PDF. (laughs) Yeah, 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 that's fair. That's fair. Well, thank you for sharing the story, uh, Ken. And and the next uh, next category here that I ask everybody is money, Uh, money and finances and wealth. Well, we know your values there are primarily around just as you talk about it, the energy. Uh, I kept thinking in my head, you know, the attitude I have money, the emotions that I have around money, but, uh, it seems weird to ask you your values here, but that's obviously what you've got the book for. It's the, can I say that you, you tell me that your primary value about money is just our feelings towards it, your feelings towards it. Yeah. So in fact, you know, there's a, um, one thing we didn't talk about is a money personality type today. Okay. You know, there's a money personality type. There are spenders and money maker and warrior and money in different type. And uh, I used to be a money maker. You know, I was uh, so um, uh, excited about making money. But now I became a money indifferent type. Uh, I don't pay much attention to money anymore. You know, I, I of course, I observe uh, the numbers. But uh, I don't pay much attention anymore because um, uh, it doesn't really matter if I get paid or not. Uh, what's important uh, I would t- I would take it if it doesn't uh, excite me. I don't take it. So uh, I become more uh, indifferent to money. But um, I th- of course money is important. Uh, but um, over the last three decades, I make more money than I spend. So I don't need any more money uh, to support our family or support our uh, you know individual needs. So I think if you uh, are more abundant than your survival level, I guess uh, um, you're more curious about uh, money in ways that how it can impact other people. That's, I think, wealthy people like Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, they're interested in setting up the foundation and start sharing the money. So so for me, money is like uh, uh, love angels um, who can do wonders for other people. So do you spend more time focused on people's attitude towards money or helping them achieve more money? It depends because some people need uh, more money, especially if you're at the survival level. I want to make sure that their family are fed, uh, members are fed, and they will stay out of money-related stress. I think it's uh, uh, more about uh, priorities for financially challenging um, situation. And once you have enough, I want you to focus on more of what you can give instead of what you're, you're going to get. No. Uh, and you have to know when is enough, how much is enough. Uh, otherwise, you're going to get into this rut cycle um, of rich people. You know, uh, the, the rich people, why they don't stop earning is like they're in a rut race. Their cage is a bigger and the, their cage is more golden. So yeah. it's golden plated uh, cage, yeah. but it's the same rat race, you know. And then if you, uh, if you just run faster, 
it becomes a heavier and, and gold. Yeah. And, and it's a difference. Oh, well, I am interested in, you talked about the money container somewhat, that mm-hmm. we all have a money container. You obviously have one. And I'm not going to ask you how much money you have or how much money you make, but you're saying, mm-hmm. I have enough. I bet you don't have as much as Bill Gates or Warren mm-hmm. Buffett. Uh, right. Or, you know, I, I know people worth, you know, half a billion dollars and whatnot. I don't know how much you have, but you obviously have said, here's how much I have. My money container only needs this much and you don't have a desire for more. So you're making more than that. And you're, and so you're good. You don't have to uh, achieve more, but it does bring into mind. What is that money container? And you obviously decided upon yours Mm -hmm. and it's, you decided I don't need as much as Bill Gates or Warren Buffett. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, uh everyone is born with a certain money container type and then uh i don't want to run a big organization because it's going to take uh uh my time away from my family or i don't want to have the stress instead i want to use my time to uh keep on focusing on writing because that way or speaking that way i can uh give more influence so i'm in a situation that i'm very very comfortable uh, with where I am, but I'm called to do more. Um, so I think my con- uh, uh, money container will be bigger uh, in the future. Uh, but I'm not forcing myself to to be bigger. I feel like I'm guided toward a direction. Uh, I have a choice. Yeah. So I've always had a choice uh, for doing more, giving more, but uh, so far so good. So instead of just uh, leveraging what I have and just, you know, try to get the maximum out of what I do, I try to relax and then uh, I I try to make sure that I feel myself first. Otherwise, you know, um, if I just try to make it too big, uh, something is going to go wrong. So, um, but uh, uh, my daughter is now, um, uh, she's doing on her own. So I think... Uh, I'm a free person in a sense, you know, so I get, I guess I'll do more. So um, uh, probably as a result, I get more money and I think I'll give more money and I'll receive more money. So I think uh, uh, my, my money game will be more uh, receiving and giving. Uh, that's the next sort of like a level. Yeah. Um, but the day-to-day money. Um, so I'll just make sure everybody around me will be okay. And then, after that, I'll just try to uh, make sure that my or oh, the community members, we have a few thousand uh, membership. Um, I want to make sure that uh, all the members in my community are doing okay. Last category here, Ken, is the things that you do just for you. To your word of energy, in essence, what are the things that you do? And I know all your work gives you energy, but on a day-to-day basis, what are the things that you do for your own, whether it's fun, play, self-care, the things that just give you the energy to be the kin that you want to be? That's a very deep and also fun question. I think I stay very uh, the same, whether I have a little conversation at a shop with a stranger or sometimes people spot me so just they want to have a little conversation on the street in a restaurant i i I enjoy talking with strangers and also i really enjoy talking with somebody like you who has a big influence on other people and very generous and open and intellectual 
And also, I enjoy my time with my family, and also I'm meeting、uh, new friends. So everything gives me stimulation. So people ask me, why can you keep writing? You know, people have、uh, writer's blocks. I don't. It's because I get stimulated all the time. So I can write a book right after this.、Uh, 17 things I learned from Kevin, right? <laughs> so、uh, I'm so happy with this、uh, beautiful stimulation every day. So,、um, somebody like you, and I'm getting other interviews later on this afternoon.、Uh, it's, I'm, I'm very looking forward to that too. It's a Japanese one. And so,、um, those things are enriching my life energy wise. So, I always feel like my, my energy tank is full、yeah. because a lot of people、uh, feel me. That's the feeling I get from you、uh, and the energy that I get from you, Ken. Man, it's just been a delight、uh, to spend this time with you. I appreciate your energy,、uh, what you give us in the book about money, but I see that you exude that happy energy in your life. And obviously, that's why so many people are wanting your message. Thank you for giving us the time and giving us this message. I'm Just honored to give it to my audience and to benefit it from it continually with myself. I'm going to be talking about this with my family and my kids and the energy that they have around money, the feelings around it.、Uh, thank you, Ken. It has been a delight. Thank you so much. I'm sending you all, all the energy I have, all the blessings to you, Kevin, and your family, and all the viewers. I'm wishing all the best、uh, from Japan, and I hope to see you. Uh, in person somewhere because I love、uh, traveling and visiting、uh, places. So that's my dream, and I'm living in my dream. So thank you for the support. Thank you, Ken. It's really great to hear from someone on the other side of the globe in a different culture who's just a kindred spirit. I mean, again, you can find Ken Honda's book, Happy Money, anywhere. Connect with him directly at kenhonda.com. You'll be happy you did. This was part two with Ken.、Uh, next is part three, and I'll be discussing these concepts that Ken brought us of happy money and specifically how the work we do heavily influences how we feel about our money. I'll be discussing it with Tom Ziegler. Thank you, as always, for choosing to tune into the Self Helpful Podcast. I really hope you got value from the show and you discuss some of the concepts with the people that you know. I most sincerely hope I've helped you help yourself so that you can help others. 